This morning, we have Jim Steyer here, and Jim and his wife Pam have had a chance to meet. They are friends of James, and uh, James told me, Jim won't want me to say this, but James told me that Jim is responsible for more people being on the mission field than any other person in the history of YWAM. Right, so this is a distinct honor and privilege to have uh, Jim with us, and uh, whenever God does that, it's always a cool intersection, right? So we have a divine appointment this morning. He's going to share, think along with, and let's ask God to be at work. Jim, get, let's give him a Northview welcome, huh? You know, we live in uh, very confusing times. Well, before I get into that, I'd like to say a couple of things. First of all, I'd tell you how long that Pam and I have been in missions, but then I would have to, you know, give away clues as to her age, and you can't do that with a woman. So just to introduce my wife, Pam, and my daughter, Miley, they're here today. Yeah. I also brought a couple of books that I've written. One, one's called Against All Odds. That doesn't mean we don't like eccentric people. It <laughs> has to do with the walk of faith that we had in order to pioneer YWAM in Brazil. And this is a, the way of faith. This is a, very foundational to a successful Christian life. And I want to make those available to you today after the service if you want one. Uh, Ten bucks, just so it's a round figure. That's if I don't sign it. Um, if I sign it, it's also ten bucks. My signature is not worth anything. So now, uh, we live in very confusing times. Some specialists are even saying we live in post-truth era. It seems like whoever yells the loudest for the longest, their opinion prevails and becomes truth. You can't trust media, and you, can't, you certainly can't trust social media. It's a huge haze of conviction with so many, of, of confusion, I mean, with so many people denying even clear realities and thinking they can change it because they just want it to be different. The Bible talks about the lies of the last times that would be very strong that would uh, fool even the elect if it were possible. We have powerful lies around us. How many of you have felt this difficulty in knowing how to navigate all of this? And so in these times, we've, it's always been the case, but possibly it's more the case today than ever. We really need to have a way to, to winnow out truth and lies. And the way that God's given us is the Word of God. So I want to talk a little bit about the Word this morning. When I first came into YWAM, I came straight out of Bible college, and man, I knew how to study the Bible. I, my Bible college had just gotten full accreditation, so they were very... Uh, demanding on the students so they wouldn't lose their accreditation. We used to do lots of term papers. And I knew how to do research and, and uh, put material together and organize it and present a case. And you know, Back then to do research, I don't want to scare any of the young people here, but you had to go to a strange building uh, 
called a library. And, and there you had to make use of these things made out of wood pulp, basically, called books. So I know how to do all that, you know. And, uh, but I didn't get any life from it while I was in Bible college. I graduated with a major in Bible, but I, I was a spiritual mess. And then God extended a little ray of light to me, a little beam of hope, and he called me. I still remember I sat on a white sofa at a friend's house, and he told me to call YWAM. I'm not saying everybody should call YWAM, just that was what he told me, you know. But that's the impression I had. You know, I have a confession to make this morning. I'm not very quick or sensitive spiritually. I have to work hard at it. So I'm sitting there on the white sofa, and I thought that I had an impression to call YWAM. And I called, and within a couple of weeks, I'd launched into missions. And one of the first things that happened when we got to, to our school was that they told us we had to meditate on the Bible. Well, I knew how to study the Bible, but I didn't know what that meant to meditate on the Bible. So I just kind of suspended judgment and waited to see was kind of my posture. But I had this friend there called Ivan, and he was straight, you know, he was an old hippie. And, and so he had this genuine, sincere spirit, and he would always ask me, what's Jesus saying to you? And I, of course, I wasn't listening. I didn't think he was saying anything, so it was embarrassing. I ended up with, like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, you know, just something generic. And one day I remember I woke up and I thought, I think I'm going to see Ivan today. I better try that meditation thing. So I went to the Lord and I chose a passage and I said, Holy Spirit, teach me. And you know what happened? As I went through that, I, new insights occurred to me that had never occurred to me before. And the greatest adventure of my life started there. You know, I... <laughs> I've had some adventures. I was arrested by the KGB in Brezhnev, Soviet Union. I was in big earthquakes that killed thousands of people around me. I've been all over the world. But nothing that can ever compare to making this connection with the Lord in the Word every day. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, first of all, let's notice that the scripture is inspired by God. It's infallible in that which it teaches us about our relationship with God. It can be depended upon. I was raised in a church that was a liberal church and you know, the scripture was kind of Jewish uh, literature, so it could be inspiring and all, but you kind of pick and choose, and, and you form your own reality, really, <laughs> sort of like everybody nowadays. But the the message of that church just ended up being, well, be a nice person, and, you know, it'll be, your life will be nicer. There is no bite to it. There was no power to it. And, and so, uh, if you don't have the, the conviction about the inspiration of, 
Scripture, you don't have a way to orient yourself in the vast confusion of modern society. <clears throat> when I was a boy, I lived in Bernie, California, a little town, crystalline lakes, rivers, you know. Uh, my dad kept a, an old wooden boat, rowboat, over by Crystal Lake. We'd go there once in a while and go fishing. And I always wanted to row, but it was those big oars, you know, with oar locks, and you, your back is to where you're going. And, you, and so I, every time we went, I would ask to, to, to row, but the oars were like two or three times longer than I was. So I was six, seven years old. But I think it's when I was nine, I said, when, I want to row, and my dad finally said, yeah, you can row, so I'm excited, you know. And I get there, and he doesn't tell me anything, he just waits and I start rowing, you know, I know where I want to go, but I'm not getting anywhere. No matter how carefully you pull on the oars, you get it a little uneven and the boat starts to go the wrong way. And so I'm, I don't, finally, in frustration, I said, Dad, what do I do? And he said, all right, Jim, now I'll teach you. You need to pick a, an external a point of reference. So he said, point the boat where you want it to go. So I got the boat pointed where I wanted to go. And he said, now look behind. And I looked behind the boat. He said, pick out some landmark. So there was a big white snag there that had been struck by lightning or something in the green of the pine forest. So I picked that. And I kept that right behind the boat. He said, I keep that behind the boat. So when it go a little off, I put it back. And I used that, and, I, and soon we were over where we wanted to go. And I had a, you know, a feeling of accomplishment. But it's because I had a point of reference. The Bible is our point of reference. And, and we must believe in it. God inspired it, and he gave it to us to guide us. Now notice with me here, too, that the, the Word of God is useful. And if you look at that list of what it's useful for, all of it is personal application. It says it's useful for, or profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the reason for all those things is that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I have the impression today that many of us, we, we want those bits of Scripture that make us feel good about ourselves and inspire us and make us have, give us warm feelings. But when the Scripture reproves us, what's our reaction? How many here have ever been reproved by the Scripture? Yeah. <laughs> uh, too many people now just deny it, uh, work around it. They try to uh, get, you know, avoid it. We need to be reproved by the Scripture. We need to be corrected. How many of you know that you're not perfect and you're still going to need some correction in your life? Do you know that? And so it's, but it's very important that when we go to the Scriptures, we go to let the Scriptures work in us. All these things that the Scriptures profitable for that are listed here are things that the Scripture does in our lives. So we don't go there just to fulfill an obligation or to kind of be more educated about stuff. We go there for the Scripture to work in our lives. And so the Bible is very, very important. 
But even the Bible warns us that there's a right way and a wrong way to come to the scriptures. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says the spirit or the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You know, we learn to study in educational systems that come straight from the Enlightenment. They're dominated with Enlightenment epistemology. There's a word you could take home at Thanksgiving and impress people with. You know, you're around the table, just throw that out there. Epistemology, uh, you know. And people say, wow, he got really smart over at that church. <laughs> but all, all epistemology means is how we know things. And the, what we learn in school is that we know things exclusively through proving them. And you've been told that probably thousands of times during your education. But that doesn't leave any room for God to speak to us or for revelation. You can't prove spiritual things. But you can, you can live them and experience them in a very real way. So too often we're going to the scriptures with a... Uh, the, the Enlightenment is a, a, move, a philosophical movement of skepticism, and it dominates all of our formal educational systems in the world today. That's why our university students are, are having such a terrible struggle, and our high school students. But it, it's skepticism. So when we go to the Bible with that mindset that we're going to prove this and prove that and we're going to analyze and we're going to classify and we're going to organize and we're going to systematize, we kill something and something dies in us. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living. Do we let the word of God be what it says it is? We need to go to the scriptures relationally, not analytically. Now, of course, we'll do some analysis and we're going to think things through. This whole process is intellectually serious, but it's not intellectually driven. It's spiritually driven. And so the Bible talks here in 2 Timothy about the scriptures. And in John chapter 1 we read about another expression of the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. And I, I want to leave this with you this morning, that you, you should never engage with this document, which was inspired by God. It's important. It's, it's to be respected deeply and to be followed. But don't come to it without being accompanied by the eternal logos of, chapter, of John chapter 1. He's what brings life. In him was life. And if we 
we let this life flow when we come to the scriptures. We come here not to find propositional truth that we can add to our theoretical structures, but we come here to find truth that is the person of Jesus. You know, the, the Bible concept of truth is very interesting. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible sees truth as a person more than as a, uh, a, 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 a bundle of ideas, which we call doctrines or dogmas. And so if you'll, you'll come here to find the person of Jesus, and then you'll do that so that he can teach you. You know, I... Uh, Jesus, when he talked about the Holy Spirit, he said this, the Father will send the Holy Spirit and he will do what? Make you feel good? Yeah, see, I, I love worship and there's a lot of emphasis on worship in the body of Christ around the world now and worship really aligns us with our place, you know, under an almighty God. It's, it's a tremendous, wonderful thing. But... It's not really enough. We also need to learn. And, and when Jesus talked about sending the Holy Spirit, he didn't talk about us. Well, he did include a little bit of the emotional because in one place he calls him the comforter, right? But he emphasized the cognitive. The Father will send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you regarding all things you know that all things that's really all things i i like to i like bows and arrows you know i like archery and one time i was on youtube and i saw there was an interview with matt mcpherson who owned matthew's bows and back then when i read when i saw this matthew's was responsible for almost all the innovations in compound bows so i thought oh that's interesting i'll look at it so i I watched the interview, and it's just this uh, secular journalist interviewing Matt McPherson about technology, you know. But at the end, he says, Matt, you, you have a hundred, over a hundred patents in your name. How do you do that? Nobody has that many. And Matt McPherson looked at him and said, you, re you really want to know? He said, yeah, I want to know. That's why I'm asking you. He said, well... I know the most creative person in the universe. And every time I come, and he wrote a book for me, and he said in the book that he would teach me about anything. And so when I come up against a problem I don't know how to solve, I ask him about it, and he, he teaches me, and then that's another patent. That's how my patents happen. Because Matt McPherson is a born-again Christian that walks with Jesus. He'll help you with your family issues. He'll help you with your profession. He'll, he'll teach you regarding all things. It's not limited to just religion. Yeah. The Father will send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you regarding all things. But this happens when we consciously make ourselves available to it. Now, me personally, I, I, 
I have friends that have, it's like the window to the supernatural is always half open. They know what's going on over there. I never have a clue. I have to work hard at it. But you know what? If I'll commit myself to being taught by him, nothing really dramatic happens usually, sometimes, but usually not. But a month or two later, I say, oh, wait a minute. Look at that insight that I got. That, that's from back then when I asked him to teach me. You see, we're not meant to live disconnected from the Lord in any part of our lives. Now, it's very important that when we're with the eternal logos, that we're in the word. Jesus said, I think it's John, I don't know, it's like 15 or something along there in the end of John. He says, if you abide in me, I think it's 14.7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. We don't want any disconnected uh, mysticism driven by human imagination here. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about coming with a humble spirit and asking the Lord to teach us and always coming to the scriptures accompanied by the eternal word of John chapter 1. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now this becomes a, a thing that imparts life to us. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We go to the scriptures to be truly enlightened. Don't go to the enlightenment to be enlightened. It should be called the endarkenment. Go to the scriptures to be enlightened. But go in a way that imparts life to you. Let him speak to you. Let him teach you. Even if you don't know how to hear the voice of God, just pray and trust him. And, and You know, when I tell stories about God speaking to me, there are always a lot of words in the stories. I say, then God said, then I said. There, there are never that many words when it happens. But to tell the story, you've got to put the words in, right? Otherwise, it's like, and then I, and then God... You know, that's a bad story. You, you, so so you got to put words in it, but I, I don't think that there are a lot of words when God speaks to you. Usually it's just sort of appears in your spirit. And the more you do this, the more you get used to it, the more confident you get about it. And, and life is imparted out of the word into us. In John chapter 6, Jesus talked about this, and he said, I'm the bread of life. You, you need to feed on me. He used a metaphor that I'll never forget. He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. It was just a metaphor because he says, as I live by the Father, so you shall live by me, right there in the same passage. And, and obviously God doesn't have literal flesh and blood. Jesus was talking about a life of connection to the divine of being connected. And all of us can be connected. And the word is central to this process. And there, there's a third way that the Bible talks about the word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I don't know why I insist on using a paper Bible. It takes a long time. 
but here it is. Second Corinthians 3, 2 and 3. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. <laughs> the third expression about our writing about the passage about the word of God that I want to show this morning is this one and it talks about you becoming living epistles now this doesn't happen because you do some kind of advanced training on how to market Jesus (laughs) if you want to get me depressed just talk about missionaries as salesmen of Christianity I'll just get all depressed. That's not what I do. You know. It's a spiritual process. And it happens this way. You come before the Lord and you, you start to make it a, a habit, a, a, a life practice to come before him every day and read the word a little and then ask him to teach you and he'll make something jump off the page to you. Your insight grows a little bit. You're strengthened in your spirit. You're, you're fed you know, Jesus talked about him as the, the, the bread of life. We have Christians all over the world dying of hunger spiritually because they don't come and feed off of the word. But as you do come and feed off of the word and he teaches you and he strengthens you and he encourages you and it starts to make a difference in your life. I, I always think of some young person sitting out under a tree with their Bible open on their lap, and they say, Holy Spirit, come and write your word on my heart, like is described here. Now, i got to confess something to you. In my spiritual imagination, there are a lot of laser beams. That's not to say it's really that way, but that's just how I imagine it. So, like, I like to think about Moses up there on Sinai, and the, the finger of God comes, always as a laser beam in my mind, <laughs> And cuts the tablets out of the rock. <laughs> and then the tablet falls out there. And then, it, and then it, he gets a smaller laser beam. <laughs> Ten commandments start to appear on the face of the rock tablet. You know. Now someday we'll look at it and we'll see what it's really like. But my imagination is full of laser beams. And so uh, here's this young person sitting on a tree. And they open their Bible and they say, Lord, come and teach me. And laser beams again <laughs> and, and starts writing writing the word of God on their heart and most changes in our lives are incremental they're tiny they're almost imperceptible but if you add uh, ten of them together it starts to mean something and then a hundred and then a thousand and then and, and growth happens, and strength happens, and peace happens, and joy happens, and wisdom starts to happen. How many of you would like to be a living epistle of God in a lost generation? About three of you. <laughs> Wouldn't you like that? You know, one time, I was, I was about 30 years old, I guess, and, and I was really tired, and I... I was praying. I was down in a city called Porto Alegre in the south of Brazil. And I'm, I'm asking God, why am I so tired? Is there something wrong with my health or something? And, and so 
I felt like I should just look over my last three months on my calendar, so I looked at it. In 90 days, I'd been 30 nights on the bus. I didn't have enough money to go by plane, and, and we used to joke about it. We'd say, major profits go by airplane, minor profits go by bus. So I was a minor prophet. And um, so I, I, in, in 90 days, I'd spent 30 nights in, in tropical country, you know, they'd mostly go at night, and no air conditioning on the bus, and they even let people smoke on the buses back then. You, and I'd done two nights in a bed somewhere, and then one night in the bus like that for three months. So I said, oh yeah, there's nothing wrong with my health, I'm just tired. But that night I had to get a bus, I'm heading back to Belo Horizonte, so you, you'd go all night and get as far as Sao Paulo and come into the big bus station there, and then you had to get another bus, uh, went another nine hours up to where we lived in Belo Horizonte. So I'm coming into Sao Paulo, and I know there's one bus that goes during the day. We're coming early in the morning, and I'm praying, say, God, put me on that bus, Lord. I don't want to sit all day in the, in the bus station so I can have another night on the bus. Give me that. And, and so... I, as soon as we stop, I get off the bus, I rush over to the company called Cometa that has the, the daytime bus. And, and I'm in the line, I'm praying, Lord, Lord, give me a seat, give me the right seat in the right place. And, and, and I get up there and, I, and there's, there's still a vacancy. So I buy my ticket really happy and I make my way over the bus. When I get on the bus, I come down the aisle and I find my seat. The first thing I see is this big tennis shoe. It's one of those high-top cloth tennis shoes. It's bright red. And, and the leg that came out is about that big. And as my eye followed the leg up, it got bigger and bigger, as legs are wont to do. <laughs> and there was a huge, fat man. Now, I'm not making fun of people that are overweight. Who am I to make fun of people that are overweight? I'm not doing that, all right? But we just didn't fit in the space. He was sitting in his whole place and most of mine. And I had to fit in there somehow. And it was nine hours during the daytime with no air conditioning in the tropics. I got grumpy. <laughs> so I turned around and I tried to get in it. I popped in like a, a cork into a wine bottle, I guess. And I'm sitting there trying to lean over into the aisle, and, and, and my whole left side is enveloped in <laughs> gelatinous, moist, hot flesh. <laughs> and and we're, kind of, we're going out of town, heading on the road, and I'm uh, stupid. I'm tired. I really turned them up with this. And, and I felt an impression in my spirit. I usually just say God spoke to me, but this is how it happens. I felt an impression in my spirit. <laughs> it's sort of like this, but with less words, like I told you. Because God speaks to you way more than you think, but if you're waiting for words, you're going to miss it, see? So the Lord says, Jim, I want you to... He said, Jim, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm on a bus, but it's really, really unpleasant. And he goes... Yeah, but didn't you pray to sit in the right place? I said, yeah, but it didn't work. <laughs> he says, 
Well, when you prayed, were you thinking of your own comfort or something more important, like my purposes? I said, yeah, but I'm your servant, and I'm tired. You know. <laughs> he says, well, I had something important in mind, and I need you to talk to this man, and I want you to tell him three things. First, tell him that it's not an accident that you're sitting here by him. I sent you personally as his personal messenger. Second thing, I want you to tell him that I never gave up on him. And third thing, tell him that I want him and I love him. So I said, okay. So I turned to the guy. I didn't smile. I didn't say good morning. I was still grumpy. I said, God said to tell you that I'm not sitting here in a pura uh by chance. Yeah. Is there somebody here from Brazil or something? <laughs> they just translated my Portuguese. <laughs> he says, I'm not sitting here by chance. Uh, God sent me to you as a personal messenger. That guy looked at me. He must have thought, oh boy, I've sat by a crazy man this morning. <laughs> I said, and he, had, and he wanted me to tell you that and two more things. The second thing is that he never gave up on you. And the third thing is, that he wants you and he loves you. I said those three things and this man started to cry. And he cried and cried. And I was starting to feel bad about it. What did I do, you know? And, I, and things were getting hotter and moister. <laughs> <laughs> and finally when he could talk, he told me this. He said, you wouldn't know this, but I've been to Sao Paulo to see the best cardiologists in the nation and they can't help me. I've got a heart condition that's going to kill me sometime soon. And up till seven years ago, I walked with Jesus. But seven years ago, there was something I wanted in the world that I knew was incompatible with Jesus in my life. So I turned my back on Jesus so I could have that. And I walked away from him cold-bloodedly. And now that I'm in such a terrible situation, I felt like I couldn't go back to him. But if he sent me, you to me as his personal messenger to tell me that he didn't give up on me and that he still loves me and he still wants me, then I'm going to walk with him for the rest of my days here on earth. Now how many of you want to be a living epistle? These things don't happen because of my personality or something. They're, they're, they're an expression of God's grace through me. And it's the same for you. So, this morning I'm, I'm going to leave you with these words. You know what it means when the speaker says, in conclusion? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, in conclusion, <laughs> this is the hint for the worship team. I'm going to close now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they See, they knew that it meant nothing. <laughs> but here's my challenge to you this morning. Just make it your habit. If you can't set aside an hour, set aside ten minutes. But come to the scripture every day 
and apply the promise of Jesus. The Father will send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you regarding all things. Open your Bible, read there, and ask him to teach you. You know, if it'll help you any, I'm on Instagram and I do a little meditation most days. Now, you might get confused because I, uh, I do them in Portuguese and English. So look for an English title and just play it. It'll be about a minute, and minute and 15 seconds, something like that, just to stimulate you, get the things going a little bit. If you want to do that, it's jim.stire. Uh, but you, know, you don't have to do that. But, go, but it, it, go to the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Ask him that the life that is in Jesus would become the light of your life. To give you understanding, to give you wisdom, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to feed you with the bread of heaven. Will you do that? I'm not asking for heroism here, just a habit that you develop. If you'll do that, would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray for you this morning in closing. Lord Jesus, we don't want to just analyze your word. We want to experience it as the word of God. And so I ask you to look upon us here this morning with mercy and generosity that are so much a what you are. And we call on you for that promise. The Father will send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you regarding all things. Lord, in these times when everything seems to be confused and, and experts are calling it post-truth era, we know there's no such thing as a post-truth era, Lord, because you're the truth and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we have to navigate these waters and we ask you that you would help us through your word. May we abide in you and your words abide in us. So I ask you to seal this in everyone's heart this morning so that we're not forgetful hearers but doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.